All right, see, I forgot to switch the screens. We forgot Pete. <laughs> Got to get Pete. That's fine. I'm still tidying. So let's turn it into a viewer competition. Where's Pete? <laughs> There's Pete. There's real Pete oh. this week. Please sit here. Okay. <laughs> no virtual reality. So, virtual reality. Well, this week, test, test done. But I, I would highly recommend trying it because it was definitely a, a fun and interesting experience. It was really good. Cool. I'm going to move Richard around here a little bit. So. So Richard's not high. We got Richard this week, so we are super yeah. pumped about that. <laughs> got the four musketeers this week. All right. Good to have you back. Yes. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's been world traveling. Uh, got over the U.S. jet lag. You didn't get sick, did you? Because I saw a lot of LinkedIn posts Loads. last week of people who got sick from ConnectWise. Loads of people got yeah, COVID was running rampant, but I'd, I'd only had COVID in September, so I think I the immunity was still there. But uh, yeah, that jet lag was a was a killer. And then, of course, we had a hurricane, Hurricane Nicole hit. So oh. yeah, so I thought I was going to have a great time in you know Miami, Orlando, Acronis Summit, and Connectwise IT Nation. You know, take spend some time on the beach, wander around. No, no, no. It was like barricading yourself in the hotel. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so there we go. But it was a great trip. Awesome. What was your big takeaway from, from IT Nation this year? Um, Actually, you said Acronis was pretty good, so let's do that since that one was first. What was your big takeaway from, from yeah, Acronis? So my, I think the big one, so like word is getting out now uh, about Acronis Summit, was a phenomenal event. So I think there was about 1,700 uh, people there at Acronis Summit, so it's growing year on year. But the organizers did a fantastic job with uh, the speakers. Uh, they put together um, the Cyber Studio. So I was saying to you, Andrew, just before we came on air, so there was podcasters like myself, Carl Palachuk, uh, Eric Simpson, um, you know, uh, uh, Chris Tim, luminaries, as uh, Acronis kindly referred to us as. And we have a studio in the middle of the Acronis uh, Summit uh, or at the reception. Uh, and people could just come past take selfies while we were doing live shows. It was it was a lot of fun, and uh, they cool. videoed them as well. Um, but, yeah, my biggest takeaway from Acronis Summit was uh, just the the diverse audience there. So I've spoken to a lot of people, and they were like, wow, I don't see a lot of Acronis in the MSP space. And I was like, you don't see a lot of Acronis in the MSP space that you move in, but yeah. they have got a huge partner base. And um, I was saying, you know, I would guesstimate that 40% of the audience there at a US conference were either from Latin America or from Europe. So, you know, the big takeaway from me, Andrew, was Acronis. I've got a really strong product, really good focus on uh, the managed service market. But the circles they're moving in up until now are maybe different to the ones that um, the rest of us are used to. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I know we, we used it a lot for imaging backups back in my day. Back in my day. <laughs> uh, cool. What was your big takeaway from from uh, ConnectWise? Uh, well, first of all, don't go to Florida when there's a hurricane. That was a huge takeaway there. <laughs> Secondly, man, you Americans, you don't like to walk anywhere, do you? So uh, like we had to Uber like what would be a five minute walk away. Second takeaway. But the third one is like, you know, uh, uh, ConnectWise, the community there, it is just mind-blowingly vast. So we talked about a Cronus Summit growing and growing and growing. IT Nation, if you've never been to one of these events before, you know, Dan Scott and the whole team at uh, uh, ConnectWise there just doing incredible things from the community perspective. So they have like 5,000 plus registrations. They've announced that uh, uh, they're going to do an IT Nation in Europe. Uh, I believe wow. it's next March. 
uh, coming to uh, London. So don't quote me on the date, but there's definitely one coming. And of course, they're going to do their uh, security conference uh, again next year. And security was really the unsurprisingly to everyone security was the the watchword the real theme of the conference there so many many vendors you know offering security solutions talking about cyber security um so yeah some a really good event uh, connectwise do events very very well yeah yeah i miss it i think the last one that i went to was like 2009 so mm-hmm. it's been a while <laughs> been a while yeah. for me I, well, we were a connectwise partner all right so Actually, in that vein, let's talk about cybersecurity. And uh, we talked about marketing and Pete went on about how bad MSP marketing sucks last week. So in virtual reality, uh, so we couldn't see we get to throw real real tomatoes at you this week, Pete. So instead of your virtual self. So we kind of touched on it last week about maximizing client value and 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 really generating more revenue from the people that are already writing us checks. Um, so I figured we would kick off this week and just talk about kind of where where you see that being an issue and why don't more MSPs do that? Why don't they go back to the till, if you will, uh, and get more revenue out of their current clients? I think it's a very valid question. I, I, certainly from... Um... It's like a story from way back in my day, you know, yeah. <laughs> my, my dad's day, actually. He um, he became this like superstar salesman with the, he, I think he sold photocopies originally. And then he went into selling lease lines, in, like connectivity into schools. And um, the, the reason why he was, he like smashed all the sales targets and like, you know, became like the most successful salesperson at the, the, the company was because he was the first and only person that just decided to focus on the existing client base rather than just constantly trying to go out there and get new business and new sales and new marketing and all this kind of thing. Actually, there's a, there's a huge amount of value placed in looking at the existing client base. And um, this actually comes off the back of a, a chat we had in the, the recent Tech Tribe meetup um, of just having this like products and services matrix where if you list out all of the products and services you sell and list out with your clients and then just have a checkbox for each service that client's taken up and then you can start... A, seeing you know which which clients have got you know maybe gaps in their product set that you could be offering, um, and B, there might even be some similarities if you then notice that say all of the, I don't know all the all of the law firms bar one or two have X Y Z software features or services or you know things that you sell, but there's one or two that are missing them out. Well, it's pretty pretty certain that those um, two that are missing it are probably going to take up those remaining services because everybody else has got them, and it's a very very uh, you know from a selling point of view to be able to say well. Everyone else has done it. This is a massive gap for you. Why are you not doing it? Uh, it's quite a, a, an easier sell um, coming from someone that's not a good salesperson but just wants to fix problems. So just having having the matrix thing really, really helps to be able to identify problems um, or identify gaps in where you could be upselling certain products and services. And I also found that, uh, and actually the original reason why we created the product matrix in my MSP was because we had, I think there's one day where I heard someone phone in and they're like, I'm, I'm calling in just to, you know, the problem with our lease line, just, just calling in. It's like, okay. And I heard the person on the phone go, thank you for that. You should probably phone your lease line provider then. And I was like, oh. they did. It's, it's us. That's why they're phoning us. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God, this, this can't happen again. So we created this product matrix. This is the kind of thing that all the engineers, all the staff could look at and see instantly as soon as a client called in. And to get in, a bit into the weeds in terms of like how to do it, if you're... A ConnectWise partner, 
very timely being ConnectWise uh, IT Nation has <laughs> just happened. If you're in ConnectWise and you have um, Bright Gauge, super simple way to completely automate having a project matrix. You just might have your have your contract set up in ConnectWise, and you can do this in any PSA to be fair. Have your contracts set up so that the contracts are um, you know, identifiable to the products or services that you sell. And then with Brightgaze reporting tool, all it did was look to see if contract existed for clients, then put a tick in that box. And then yeah. you do the same thing if um, lease line or internet contract exists for client, tick that box. And so as long as you keep your you know PSA system and ConnectWise up to date with the contracts, then that matrix is completely automatically always up to date as well. And you can have a live dashboard. You can see exactly what's happening where, and it just makes that whole job so so easy. Because I know the, you know, just even talking about having a product matrix or a service matrix or a client matrix is just like a oh, that's just another thing, another thing I need to outsource or delegate or stay on top of. So if you can actually get this so it's permanently updated automatically, you know, through the the Brightgate systems, it's the kind of thing you do once and you forget about, and it's always there. So yeah, just uh, that that's pretty my. I think takeaway and maybe a bit of practical um, reality of how you can actually set it up as well. How often did you go back and, and talk to clients and kind of go through that matrix? So in terms of the matrix, we didn't, um, I, I guess it would fall into like the quarterly reviews that we would used to have. So um, again, I don't know why I'm going to the technicalities, but within ConnectWise, cause I'm just, I've been writing emails to ConnectWise. So I'm in ConnectWise mode at the moment. Um, just have like a ticket that generates every three every three months, reminds you to book a meeting with the client, so you can have those quarterly catch ups and meetings with them. And at that stage, you can yes, you've got the you've got the chance to, you know, point out the gaps. But also there are you know new products, new services. Microsoft might have just rolled out their thirty fifth application that's been secretly hidden into the Microsoft three six five that they could benefit from. So it's just using those opportunities that you know the FaceTime with the clients to just really let them know what they've already got and what they're already paying for. And how they can maximize you know, the efficiencies and maximize their use out of it. Um, but yeah, as always, um, and I think I might have said this in a previous um, uh, podcast or, or video, where with the marketing we were doing, the whole point of the marketing was that I wanted to like s- propagate the same message, whether it's going to be like, oh, hey, you know, Microsoft Teams has come out when that came out, or you know, the, the latest features have come out. Make sure you're using them. That would be through the video, through the podcast, through blog posts, through emails. We kind of pushed that out through everything. My, my goal was that I would get to those quarterly meetings or our account managers would get to those quarterly meetings and they wouldn't have to like explain it to them because they've already had those, you know, had whichever medium they, they kind of uh, absorbed it in, they'd already had that information. But still, we'd still get to those meetings. We'd tell them all, all these things and they'd be like, oh, Pete. I wish you told me about that sooner because I could have done X, Y, Z with it. And yeah. it's so frustrating because you're just sat there going, we did. We, we, we sent you emails. We sent you like, printed newsletters that you opened. Hopefully, well, potentially not opened. Um, we, we did videos. We did podcasts. We, we've literally done all we can do apart from, of course, picking up the phone and telling them, um, you know, each time it happens. But it's not possible to do that. For every single client, you can't pick up the phone every single time something new happens and tell them all individually. That's why you kind of wait until you have these, you know, scheduled or quarterly catch-ups with them so you can. But again, my goal was to educate them before we got to that stage so they could have already, maybe they could have already investigated it and see if it was good for their business. Maybe they could have already bought it. We could have already installed it and we wouldn't have to have that discussion. It saves time. But uh, but yeah, it still happens. And uh, I don't think there's any fix for that at all. It's really just uh, clients are busy. You have to understand clients are busy. So if they, as long as you get to the stage and they're receptive to, you know, your, your suggestions, your recommendations, then 
ultimately that's what we're here for is to uh, you know work on behalf of the clients and, and do a good job for them really how about you scott how often do you do that now oh we are terrible at it we're really bad at it genuinely um and i'm, I'm happy to admit that so the, the the correct answer of course is that you should be doing your quarterly business reviews and if they're not if you I think I saw someone get sued once because they didn't stick to the quarterly uh, cadence. And so they started wow. to call them technology business reviews. And so at least they, they weren't mandated as quarterly. So maybe TBRs. Um, but it's, it's the right answer, right? It's, it's, it's actually as pizza's picking up the phone and speaking to them or getting in a room with them and having a conversation with your client, because it's not just about your performance and the tickets that you've closed and the, you know, the, the incidents that have been raised and how many viruses, you know, you've protected them from this month and, and all that stuff's useful and helpful, of course, to show that you're maintaining the service because we get it. It's, if, if everything's working well, then it kind of almost the client feels like, well, what, why do I need to pay you guys? Nothing happens. You're like, no, you, you're not seeing all the stuff we're doing in the background to make sure that nothing happens to you. Um, but it's, it's those opportunities where they then tell you, hey, you know, we're growing, we're opening a new office or, you know, we're shrinking, we're actually closing down an office. And those are all your opportunities to say, hey, you know, we can help in this way or we could do a mini project here to help, you know, expand this area or automate some things or, you know, help you draw back some costs. Um, that's where that true sort of partnership of being, you know, because we always say we, we want to be the 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 IT team in the company. We want to be their IT partner. We want to be their virtual CIO. But for a lot of MSPs, you know, once the clients, you know, gone through the sales process and signed up and they're on that recurring, um, you know, IT service plan, the only contact that they have is with the service desk. And occasionally when things don't go well on the service desk, they'll escalate maybe to their account manager or a service delivery manager. Um, and, and that is true for a lot of MSPs. I know we, we often get the good bunch uh, on this show and in, in our communities, but in the wider community, the experience of clients is that they're not really getting spoken to as often. And I, I, I can honestly say, you know, we're guilty of that as well. We'll, we'll let those um, quarterly business reviews slip. We'll let that cadence slip because we're, so busy trying to do other things. And, and as Pete says, I think, you know, trying to market and video and attract new clients um, and taking our eye off current clients. And that's not fair either. When they then phone up, you're like, oh my goodness, I feel terrible. We haven't had a conversation in ages. Um, and then you have a really good catch up and you see so many ways that you could help them right now. But also you have that gut wrenching feeling when they tell you about a pain that they've had for six or eight weeks and you could have helped like you've you've got the answer right there and if you'd have just spoken to each other if you'd have just kept up with those reviews it's it's a pain they didn't have to go through um and i think we titled the show like customer lifetime value and when i thought about that it was it was all about relationship it's all about how do we how do we genuinely stay in touch with our customers really well at the time that they need us i think back to pete's point we can put out newsletters and flyers and, and videos, but we might just catch them at the wrong time because they're super busy. And that's why I think getting that person-to-person -person communication is, is super-duper important. Um, and, and every time I think about it, I realize I feel guilty about not doing it enough. Um, and, and that's where, you know, I've got to look at that. And, you know, I'm, I'm on my mission to make myself useless. If that's a role that needs to happen, if that's a seat that needs filling, then I need to find someone to sit in that seat because it's super duper important to us and our clients. Yeah, Richard, I know I you've got the, some experience um, you there too. You're really bad at doing it. The yeah. the thing that you know, I'll be honest, we 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 did it 
as well as we could do. But we the, ch the challenge we had is some clients just didn't want to. They were too busy or maybe they didn't see the value of it. That was quite a, a hard sell. Um, but the way we started to get into the cadence was we just had that automation set up within the ticketing system. So, yeah, every three months or every however long you define, it would just create a ticket just like any other ticket. And, you know, if the engineers pick it up or the account managers pick it up or whoever picks it up, but at least it's a ticket in the system that needs to be followed up, you know, just like any other ticket. Um, so maybe that might help um, anyone else who's struggling in similar ways of just if it's a problem, if it's something that needs to be done regularly, just throw it into another ticket. You know, we all know how to deal with tickets and one yeah. extra ticket yeah. is going to create a huge, huge amount of work, hopefully. Practical solution to that. So we, you know, I'm old school. We used to do three different things for this. Uh, so Scott, something that uh, that we scheduled to Pete's point, we had a recurring ticket within ConnectWise. We were a ConnectWise PSA. Other PSAs are available uh, in his best BBC voice. Um, but what it did, Scott, we actually prompted me as the business owner to not wait for the next QBR, but to pick up the phone once a week to a different client and just say, Hey, Richard here, just checking, just finding you as one business owner to another. How's it going? And just mm. checking in there. We, it's a little bit like, you know, they say about um, uh, annual reviews for, for members of staff. Like a year is way too long. And I actually think a quarterly review is too long. So you can, you can check in with them uh, regularly. So that's the first thing we did. The second thing we did was um, actually, uh, to Pete's point again, we're old school. So we used to have a piece of paper, a big piece of card above the wall with the graph on, with the matrix on, with all the solutions, all the services that we had. And then we ticked it off in green. We had red crosses where people didn't have the service. And we created themes every month. So the theme for the month might have been, you know, uh, back in the day for us, it would be uh, off-site backup. And we would make a point of going to all of our clients who hadn't got off-site backup and speaking to them about the benefits of offsite backup, what that did for us was um, we were we were focused on it, and we were having timely conversations with people. Now you still come across some of the same issues that Pete mentioned. You know, uh, sometimes it goes in one ear and out another. Clients concentrate on what is important to clients at that time. So that's the second thing that we did, and the third thing that we did from a practical perspective was, and this is obviously pre-COVID, although things are changing again now, we did what we called engineering floor walks, which many people have heard me speak about this quite often. It's, you know, one of my favorite super tips for managed service providers, but we sent engineers out to client sites uh, all the time with no other reason, or we'd give them a silly reason to go out there. You know, the engineer knew, go and check the UPS or go and label this computer or whatever it might be. But the engineer would come to site, usually carrying a box of donuts or some cakes or something, because no client in history has ever turned away an IT guy turning up at the door with sweet things. Uh, so they did that. And then they would walk around the office and tap people on the shoulder and go, hey, you doing? Is there anything I can help with while I'm here? And so for, for those MSPs who are, are watching this, when you get really good at doing managed services, there's very little reason for you to go to your client site anymore because we've got these wonderful you know, remote management tools. But then what happens after a while is you get so good at doing it that the client forgets all of the pain that they had before they started working with you. And so they, get, they give you that horrible, most dreaded question that MSPs get, which is, what is it we're paying you for? So engineering floor walks often sort of alleviated that to a degree just to give visibility. Hey, we're here. We can help you with things. But the upsell opportunity, and I don't really like the word upsell. We've got to, we got to find a better word than that. Um, 
the or the maximizing you know the the the, the client's value whatever you want to call it was when the engineers said to, to members of staff hey how's it going can i help with anything and there was often like our oh, printer's not working or this that or the other but they'd often say hey we're taking on new members of staff next week and oh right we better get computers ready for that so that alleviated some of those uh, issues where you get a phone call on a Monday morning. We've got a new member of staff joining. We need a computer. When are they joining? They're here now. <laughs> We've all had that right. It's an absolute pain. But yeah. interestingly, they would often, members of staff would say, actually, we're thinking about this project and we might need a new server or might need a new printer or whatever it might be. So my engineers often came back from client sites to go out and to be helpful to uncover festering issues, but they would come back with project work, with uh, upselling solutions, and it was absolutely great. And I, I said earlier on, I'll, I'll close by saying this, the you know the, the top question that you dread getting from clients is, what is it we're paying you for? So going and actually staying in touch with clients and seeing them face-to-face can alleviate some of that. The second question for me, or the worst question you can get from a client is, they phone you up, and they say, hey, we've got an engineer here fitting a new VoIP system and he wants to know the administrator password. And you say to them, well, we could have done that for you. And they say to you, we didn't realize you did that. Yep. And it is so frustrating. So again, you know, uh, going back to what Pete said uh, about staying in touch with them, letting them know the services you put out there. For me, that's super important because you don't want either of those two questions to come up. Yeah, for sure. Or the printer guy. You know, somebody comes in with a new copier. It was always the copier guy. They the hated us. Guy. We hated them. Probably, and I'm like, Dang that, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because it's like that's something you don't think about. But we had law firms, you know, so not everybody had a copier, but a law firm does. And that was a, and that was one of the things we I didn't sell copiers. So yeah, so how do you eliminate that? So Westway IT, I'm trying to see, so you guys can see the comments too. Did you show them the matrix or the, uh, what they had and didn't have visually, or did you just discuss it? Uh, so for me, it's always just discuss it. The, the, the matrix is for your internal staff to see and know, um, because if you're showing them the matrix, then, I mean, my matrix was, it basically looks like an Excel spreadsheet, but looks a bit, a bit prettier, um, which would be a list of clients down the left-hand side column and a list of the services across the top. So if you show them the list, you'll be showing them all your clients. So that's a, that's a no-no. Um, but yeah, sh- just show them to your internal staff so they can quickly identify what's going on and your you know sales team can see what's going on. But in terms of the um, the clients, you basically just say, hey, look, you know, all of our other solicitors or all our other law firms have got these two products that you don't. So therefore, like, w- when do yours expire? Let us know. You know, we'll get them rolled out um, or find out why they, why they don't think they need it. Um, there was an interesting um, format that... The, the last company I worked at before I started my own business, they did this, um, I guess, strategic IT review, or whatever you might call it, where they go out and assess a, a new business. And they would basically give them a you know 20 or 30 page report back, which would under- identify where they currently are in terms of their IT needs and where the IT needs to be to be able to meet their you know two, three, five year plan. And the way they worded it within there was, um, in, they did like a traffic light system of, you know, how your servers, how you're networking, your wireless, your security, they, they traffic lighted it based on how you compare and how you rate compared to other, other similar sized businesses in your niche. So basically they were comparing them to their competitors. And so mm-hmm. when you're identifying and saying, well, Hey, you're really, really weak on these areas compared to, you know, the guy down the road that's running the same business, it really helps them 
focus and actually pay attention to go, oh, actually, no, if they're doing that, then we should be doing that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't trade in the matrix. Um, just, uh, just, just use that information so you can actually action it and do something with it. Yeah. Richard, you had a point that you wanted to make too on that. Yeah. It, what Pete was saying about not showing uh, customers the matrix, I absolutely agree with that because it, it can get overwhelming, can't it? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, for customers, it's like you've got all these you know, red crosses rather than green ticks. The flip side of that though, and this is a tip and I'll give full credit here um, to um, uh, my good friend, Andy Parks, who runs iBit Solutions, uh, an MSP based out of Coventry, long time. And Andy's very well known in the community, the real go-giver. But Andy started on his invoices, you know, uh, first of all, he listed everything that they did for a client on the invoices. And I'm not talking about time and tickets and things like that. I'm talking about, you know, they did the backups and the defragging and, you know, all of those type, all of that jazz on there. Wonderful. But what Andy also did uh, was listed some of the services that the client didn't take. Now, this is a really interesting one from human psychology perspective, because we all know we've seen those sales uh, forms, haven't we? We come through, you buy stuff from Apple and they say, oh, do you want warranty care? Oh, do you want the new case? Do you want an Apple watch to go with that? Do you want like uh, engraving? And you go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So there is something you can do there. Like Andy was sending those invoices out and it was almost like that Chinese menu of saying, look, here are the services you get and here are the services you don't get. And then next to it, Andy used to put something to the equivalent of uh, email, you know, backup at um, uh, ibitsolutions.com if you want to add this service to your, uh, uh, to your portfolio. So I think that's really interesting because it plays on human psychology, doesn't it, for uh, people wanting what they haven't got at the moment. Yeah. See, my mind with my automation, I'm, I'm just trying to think how could you even automate that to be able to kind of automatically show the products they haven't got and show it as, yeah, show it as declined or get in touch or because I, I know with the telephony billing system uh, and many of them that are around, you can like input ads. So you can have an ad that shows on the billing, um, the, the invoice that advertises the other services you do. Um, which is something we did do just to make sure, you know, hey, we do, we also do, yeah, the same thing, telecoms, printing, um, VoIP, you know, uh, internet connectivity, those kind of things. But we still had exactly those same scenarios of, yeah, I've, I've just, I've just got our phone system ordered. Can you come and help install the, whatever it is, or they need some extra room. And that was always the frustrating one. They, they need some extra room in the rack to fit their switches. It's like, yeah, but your switches are also compatible and we could just VLAN them off and it'd be less like hassle, less maintenance. Oh, there's also an extra internet connection that's been installed for our phone system. Your internet connection is fine. You could have just used the one you had already and saved money. But yeah, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd be, yeah, I'd be very interested to know if and how he does that. It sounds like a manual thing, which if it's manual, then it's a, a manual thing. And I guess maybe you set it up once for each client and it's done. Yeah, I'd love to know if there's a way of, um, of automating that somehow. That's just my, yeah. my wanting to do as little work as possible hat on. <laughs> so I, I, I think two that kind of goes back to scott's initial point because i think you're not alone scott in the fact that a lot of msps know they should do the technology business reviews and yeah we have the tools to automate and remind us um but i still think that there's there's something there you know i wanted to brainstorm this because i still think it's an issue where if they go in and ask, okay, do you want this service? And somebody says no, then they never offer it again. Um, so I think that turns into kind of what Richard said too, the sales thing, an upsell. We MSPs get weirded out by the word sales. Anything that has to do with sales. Yeah. So I think that that may be into the mentality, but 
where do you guys see the the disconnect and how do we bridge that disconnect that MSPs have between knowing that they should do it and actually getting it done? I think I there's think, a, a couple of oh, different cool. things there. Oh, sorry. Um, it, it, it depends if they've gone to buy it from someone else. Because um, again, it's very similar to what you've just said there. I've seen a lot of people where they, they lose the sale, so to speak, to a third party. The third party comes in and they're like, ah, we've lost it. It's gone. And that's all they do about it. But actually, you know, find out, is it a one-year term? Is it a three-year term? Put that into your system. And then you can check in with the client along the way. You know, check in after a year or even six months and just say, hey, how is the phone system working out for you? How, you know, how are you getting on with it? And then if you know when the contract's going to expire in maybe it might be three years time, but as we know, clients generally stick around for a very long time, put that into your system. So just like any other server warranty renewal or anything, you get a notification come up three months before they're due to renew with that supplier. And you get the opportunity once again to come in and uh, hopefully win the business back again. If you, and, and you'll hopefully you'll have learned something from the last time you quoted it and you can kind of learn from those mistakes if, if, there, if it was a mistake at all. Um, that, that's kind of the one side. I guess the other side, the more challenging side is, yeah, what if they just say no because they can't afford it or don't want it or don't think they need it? So that's the, uh, that, that's the challenging situation. And that might be, is that where Scott wanted to uh, hop in? I, no, I was, I was going to say what I find with, um, what I found with quite a few people and, and in my own experience is that they'll, um, they'll decide for the client without asking the client. Yeah. I'm not going to bother asking because I know they're going to say no. Assumption. Yeah. <laughs> and and that is huge. There's there's so many opportunities that I've seen with, you know, working with with other MSPs and, and with other, you know, sales uh, professionals in the MSP space where they just go, oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to ask them because they'll say no. And so we, we never ask. And I, I just think that's such a huge issue where we've decided, well, they, they won't pay for backup. They, they, they won't make room for it. They're really cheap. They don't like to spend on things. So they're not going to buy some new laptops. You don't know. You don't, you don't know. And again, because we're not talking to them regularly enough, we've just assumed that they're not going to spend. And, you know, again, it was that, it's that court case that happened in Europe. I forget all the details, but I'm sure you've seen it where, um, an MSP wasn't backing someone up. They weren't backing up their client. The client had a, a cyber breach. Data was lost. Money was lost. Um, and in, in the end, the, the client takes the MSP to court and says, you know, I believe this was your responsibility. And the MSP had, had said time and time again, you know, we offered you backup. We asked if you wanted backup. You know, you, you said no, or you just ignored our emails. Um, you never took us up on this offer. And the court ruled in the favor of the client to say, you, you have to pay damages to the client. You were not explicit enough to the client about the risks that they faced by not taking this backup service and that something like this could happen to them. And I look at that and go, well, I'm horrified by that situation. Um, but also it makes me think like we really need to be, you know, a bit more bullish with our clients. You know, when when I see people engaging with, um, you know, solicitors or you're, you're buying a house and you're doing some conveyancing or you're working with a professional accountancy firm, when they tell you these are the list of things that you need to do and, and these are the requirements that like very rarely do you go, well, could you do it for 10 quid cheaper or I'll do those bits myself. Don't worry about them. And you just do these bits. 
but we seem to let ourselves get pushed around in those areas when it comes to MSP. And I know we're not regulated and I kind of wish that we were, you know, and held to a minimum standard. Um, I, in fact, I think that'd be great. I'd, I'd love to see us get there. But we we tend to sort of really, really get pushed back quite easily by clients. Um, and I've been having this conversation with a couple of, of MSPs and, and some really interesting chats with good friends are saying, when you're offering your MSP services now to clients, are you going out with a good, better, best? And is good really the bare minimum that you're prepared to support on a long-term basis? Somebody wave. <laughs> Come on. Yay. Is is good? Not you guys. That will make the lights come on. It's, it is good, really, the bare minimum that you're prepared to support and, and maintain that customer on a one, two, or three year contract. Is that really your minimum standard, or actually are you just giving the cheapest possible option? And and in other cases, they're going out and saying, no, no, no. We have one package for managed IT services. It includes all the security that you need. Take it. Well, don't work with us. We, we don't mind because this is how we work with clients and this is the security stack that we have. Um, and so you know, that matrix idea that we've been talking about probably still comes into account in some regards in the other products like voice or um, leased lines, but their managed IT stack is fixed. These are the products. These are the services that you get. Here's the price per user. And so, you know, I just think, that's a very bullish approach that is working for some MSPs. Good, better, best can definitely work. But in a lot of MSPs, good isn't good. It's yeah. it's not good enough. It's not yeah. secure enough. It doesn't have the minimum amount of products in. And, and they framed it so that actually the middle package is the one they really want to sell, but they'll let themselves get pushed down to, to good. Um, and I think, yeah, I just think we need to be more bullish or maybe we do need to have a my way or the highway type approach. You know, it is working for some MSPs, not everyone. I think it has to be a really good solution. It has to be a really good price point. But uh, I don't know. I think you know, I think there's room for debate. You touched on something very briefly there that I've seen in multiple MSPs and all of them have had pretty much the same experience, but they've done it in a different way. But in terms of like maximizing client value, just increasing prices. The, uh, the question you raised of, uh, oh, they're not going to pay that. That comes up so yeah. much with, with looking at price increases. And certainly when you're looking at like doing new packaging and new pricing and putting together this security stack, most people are kind of, they're putting together the security stack whilst they're, they've got this little thought in the back of their head of my existing clients aren't going to pay that. They're not going to sign up to that. It's too expensive for them. So it really holds them back. But I keep saying to them, just forget about what your existing clients will or maybe or not sure might pay. Focus on the new clients that you want to be taking on board and, and focus, you know, build the pricing for those clients. And then the old clients or the existing clients, you can figure out a way of transitioning or maybe you let some of them go again if they don't come up to the new standards. But um, but one of my clients just turned around, um, I think it was like a month or two ago, and he just increased the price on, on his all of his contracts. He bumped it up by like $20 uh, per user per month or, or 20 bucks an hour or something. And literally not one single complaint, not a phone call, not an email. Business just carried on as normal. The invoices carried on getting paid, and I think he did actually pick up the phone and speak to one client um, because there was he was just talking about a few other things, and they just said, "Look, pricing and inflation has gone up by like so much on all of our other costs. Like it was only a matter of time before yours was going to go up. And I understand you've got all your costs going up, so 
yeah, I, you know, and we want to support you as a as a client and a business as well. So why not ask you this example? They were like, why not just bump it up by another five or ten bucks? Because you know we want to make sure that you're you're not just scraping by. We need you to stay in business and make a profit. So um, just having that attitude, exactly holding you back of they're not going to pay that. Like, don't do that. Like from from a from a pricing sensitivity point of view, yes, inflation is a thing. Everyone's dealing with it. Everyone's paying more money anyway. If if anything, and it's it sounds horrible, but like now's the probably the time to do the price increase because everyone's so numb from having it from all angles and you know going down to their bread and butter they're buying in the supermarket that actually now is probably the best time to come out come at them with with a price increase because they're just going to be uh i mean they're we're all dealing with it we're, we're all having yep. to deal with those costs and we just kind of take it on the chin and go uh, oh well it's another price increase yep we you know we'll suck it up because that's just the world we live in nowadays uh but yeah, yeah just got one this morning my homeowner's policy i've been here a year it went up I'm like nothing changed same house. So I get it. So Richard, I know you have a lot of advice for MSPs around sales and that whole stigma that we have about selling. What would your advice be to an MSP there? I've been reflecting, thinking about it just while we've been having the conversation. So, you know, Pete was talking about, and I'm a big fan of this automation. uh, And Scott was saying he, he knows he should by the way, you speak to any therapist, Scott, and they will tell you the word should. You need to eliminate it from your uh, uh, diary. It just beats you up. It doesn't do anything good. Um, but what, you know, the conclusion I'm coming to is that we need to reduce the friction uh, for MSPs between actually what we, we should do, uh, the sales, and actually going in and doing it. So there's ways we can automate that. There's tools we can use. You know, I, when I was running my MSP back in the day, uh, I had to go through, you know, sales training, and we, we, you know, we put charts up, and we had recurring tickets, all of these different things and that. And, and yet sales was still a bit icky. It still felt a little bit uncomfortable, as though we're trying to persuade somebody to buy something that they don't really need. So you've got to shift your mentality, first of all. Uh, Sales is you are doing your client a disservice if you don't uh, let them know about the products and solutions that will make their life easier. You know, it's their choice at the end of the day whether they want to pay for it, but you are doing them a disservice. So that's the first thing I reflected on was the mental change we need to make. And secondly, when it comes to reducing the friction of doing it. So I'll I'll give a massive shout out here to to the guys at uh, Zementum. Uh, their revenue platform. Um, Because one of the things that I've noticed Zementum does really well for MSPs is when they're putting together a quote or a proposal, it actually says, oh, you know, why don't you include this? Or why don't you include that? Or why don't you include the other? And it's prompting them to actually say to their clients, do you know we did this as well? It's almost that upsell thing that we were talking about uh, earlier on. And so I you know, I actually think that's going to be huge for the industry once packages like Zomentum get adopted more uh, easily because it takes the MSP through a defined sales process, best practices, for want of a better word, and secondly, then forces them to, to say, okay, should I be offering the client this, that, or the other? Of course I should. So, And, and then it's a one-click thing to include those in the quote as well. So reduce the friction to getting stuff done, automation tools, uh, and mindset of the three uh, three areas to reduce friction, I would say. Yeah, and I if, think if I can tag on to Zomentum for a Go second ahead. as well, yeah, um, we just started using it maybe eight weeks ago, um, and then you send out your quotes, um, and again, another area where I I can't use the word should. Uh, another area where we <laughs> something improved. Um, 
I can't wait to use the word should. But anyway, um, we, we send out quotes to, to clients all the time and it's, it's hit or miss. Some people want to work with us. Some people don't. Um, some people don't get back to us. And I had uh, a quote out through Zomentum and then like I just got a ping back from the client saying, oh, I'm really sorry uh, to hold you up on this where um, yeah, I'm just getting it signed off by the FD. We really want to go ahead. But yeah, thanks for your patience. Buddy. But I was like, that's weird. And then like another week later, I still hadn't heard anything. And he's like, oh, yeah, thanks for checking in. Um, we are we are definitely, we do want to go ahead. Th thanks for your patience, but we're going ahead. And I didn't realize Zomentum sending reminders to them that their quote is valid for 30 days and they've had it for seven and they've only got 21 left. And then they've had it for 14 <laughs> and they've only got four. And I didn't know. So it's Automate. reminding them. And then they're coming back to me going, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to hold you up. And I'm like, I'm I'm so bad at follow-ups. Like we send the quote, go, well, they either want to work with us or they don't, right? So I'm sure they'll come back to us. We're that good. We don't we don't follow up. Zomentum follows up and it does it automatically and transparently. And so we're just getting the feedback in, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to be signing that off next week. Really, really great tool. Um, the other thing is, as well as part of my uh, mission to be useless, I'm going to write a book, um, is that <laughs> it now means that I'm I, I'm serious. I want to write that book. If anyone can help me, I want to write that book. Um, I, I, it now means that I don't do the quotes in our finance system anymore. So any um, like professional services quotes or any sales quotes with a full proposal, I don't have to do those. right? But I, my, I, I've built all the templates in Zomentum. My guys can go in and go, this customer, this is the opportunity. I want to use this template and go. And it just it pre-populates everything. Like we have fixed packages of work that, that go in there. It's all ready to go. And I don't have to do that anymore. It's really cool. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, too, around that issue of selling is I changed the mindset. When somebody's already writing me a check, I don't need to sell them anything. And I changed my mindset when I was going in and talking about services and I started to make, and I think that that, that for me is I, I was the same way. I got hung up on the QBR. I got hung up that this has to be a big formal process where we all sit around a table and I try to sell you something and you either say yes or no. Um, I started getting very informal. I'm just like, yeah, kind of what, uh, uh, who was it says they bring donuts? Was that you, Peter? Was that you, Richard? Yeah, just, but as hey. a rule of thumb, Andrew, if there's any talk about cake, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, hey, next Friday, I'm going to bring in pizza for the staff. While I'm there, we'll just sit and chat about things. So it's the same for the client. It's if you make it a big formal process that's going to take an hour, hour and a half, they might not, may or may not have time for it. So when I started doing that, our, our client that I started at $60 a seat, way back in 2004 when I changed that and you know pro probably about 2007 2008 my my formal process was very informal I would just bring lunch or I would take them to lunch uh, and I remember when I started getting into hardware as a service uh, through Tartec and I remember this was going to be a big bump for us if to get them to agree to basically double their managed service contract so I took her to lunch, told her what we had, you know, what we were looking at doing. They would never have to write a check for hardware, never have to worry about updating computers or doing, you know, that was my quote unquote sell. And she's like, oh, okay, well, just send me the paperwork. 
I don't care what it costs. Just send me the paperwork. And that doubled my MSP contract. And by the time we were done with that 10 years later, we still had that client. They were $563 a seat, all in. We had everything. We owned everything on the network. We own, you know, we hosted their website, did unlimited hosting support. Uh, it was a, just a ton of different things, but we went above and beyond what anybody else would do. And when you have that relationship, you're not really selling anything. You're, yeah. As you guys have said, you're giving them something that they already need. You're just figuring out a way to provide that as a service for them. So, And the more uh, service and solutions they take from you as well, the more in old school terms, we would call it you, the client is sticky. Because yeah, think yeah. about this, when the client's looking to cut costs, they go through all the invoices, they're going to look at your invoice and it's like all these different services. Uh, we'll put that one to one side and come back to it and we'll look at other suppliers <laughs> first. Yeah. Cut costs. It's just the way it works. People go for the easiest route. Yeah, I, I laughed for a second when Andrew said it was 2004 and he was charging $60 a seat. I'm like, it's 2022 and there's so many UK MSPs who can't even get to $60 a seat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we weren't even didn't have the security risks that we do now. I mean, this is this is insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how where it changed from 2004 to when I sold in 2014. Like we didn't have cell phones. Like I didn't get tickets 24 seven. I mean, we weren't walking around with iPhones in 2004. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Richard, you said you have some resources. Well, let's do see if we can do if, do a screen share. We'll see if we can yeah, get this so to work. I know it's in the chat because we were talking uh, about Zomentum and uh, you know what they do. So I've done a number of different um, interviews with the guys at Zomentum. Let me see if I can share the screen. So uh, hopefully you can see that there. This is one uh, that I did with Ben Spector from Zomentum. Now Ben's a former MSP. Uh, himself um, and um, you know so Ben ended up working as a mentor because he went through all of the pain as an MSP of struggling with the sales so you know this episode how to accelerate your MSP sales for business growth I think this is one of our you know highest rated episodes because Ben delivers so much interest interesting you know uh, bits and pieces about how you can actually uh, reduce the friction in the uh, the sales uh, cycle, really. So that's definitely one that I would check out. And, you know, go and check out the Zomentum website. They've got a ton uh, of different resources there. But, you know, this is the bit I wanted to draw attention to. You know, Pete has been talking about, how can I automate this? It's fundamental. If you speak to any expert, they're going to tell you, you know, look to automate things as much as possible. Because when it's on automate, you don't have to put your brain into gear and you don't get the little voice that says, oh, they're not going to they're not going to want this. They're not going to afford it. You know, all of those assumptions take the human out of the sales process to a degree and just, you know, put the automation through. And um, I think that that will make a big difference. Yeah, there we go. If you want to show that resource one more time. Yeah, uh, let me go again. Pop that oh, oh, Scott, um, and perhaps Richard, a, a quick question in terms of the because this is the thing I had with. Um, the problem with automation, certainly on like automated chasers, is knowing, say you've had a phone call to say like, yep, yeah, okay, you've, been, you've got an update. Yeah, you're going to speak to them tomorrow. Okay. But then they get the next follow-up email that says like, hey, you still haven't heard back from you. So you're still waiting to hear back from you. Does Zomentum, how does Zomentum deal with that? Or does it deal with that? Well, so on the Zomentum side of things, all this doing is letting them know that their quote's expiring. So it's not really chasing them up to say, hey, you know, you, it's not customized in any way to say, hey, you should be signing this off or, hey, you know, just want to check in. It's just letting them know that the quote expires in 30 days and then in uh -huh. 21 days and 14 days. And so it's just a, 
it's a subtle reminder that they've they've had this quote, you know, for the service. It's going to expire shortly, and it's system generated, so it just feels like just a little nudge. And so, if you've had a conversation, it's not painful for someone to get that little tickle reminder. But if they've just put it to the back of their mind, it's a helpful little hey, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got really busy, and we did have a quote for that, and I am interested. So it's just a really nice subtle reminder. Um, but we've started to set up some other automations in there now because it's got the built-in e-signatures. So a client can, um, when they get the quote, you can give them the mandatory items. You can give them optional items that they can tick and add on to. Um, I then have a couple of automations. One is like as they hit sign and, and the deal goes to one inside Zementum, we take that project and that goes into our PSA system. I then also take that value and I create a draft quote inside our finance system inside Zero. Because every week I'll go through and I'll check in in Zero and go, hey, are we are we billing these projects yet? Is this okay? I'll check in with Halo, but Zero is really my kind of you know go to dashboard for really knowing yep. have we sent these invoices out? Halo's nice, Zomentum's nice, but this is real money here over in Zero, so I always like to have it ready in there. Um, so I have a couple of those things just set on client signature. Once they digitally sign it, it shoots off those two automations for me. Um, some of that's Zomentum. Some of that is actually Zapier, just working in combination with those things. Yeah, we get nerded out on the tools. We can go all day long really? about the tools. Yeah. Uh, well, the point <laughs> is it reduces the, the, the friction, the human element, Scott. So I was thinking while you were talking, how many times, and th this goes for relationships as well, if anybody uh, has done dating, uh, online dating or anything, it's like, when should I follow up with them? Should I drop them a line? And it's exactly the same in sales, isn't it? Because we send the quotes. They acknowledge receipt of the quote, and then it goes quiet. And we're like, Sh shall I be a nuisance? Shall I check in on them? Just get rid of that. If you've got the automated stuff there, you know, even if they take offense of it, which nobody, uh, you know, to Scott's point, I don't think anybody has ever taken offense at an automated uh, message coming through uh, of that nature. Uh, but even if they do, you can say, oh, yeah, it was the automation that did it. And uh, But it just removes that human ability to think and procrastinate mm. about it. Just mm. get the human out of the way. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, if you're questioning whether or not this strategy of maximizing client value can work, uh, I got, if you guys know, Robert Gibbons, um, yeah. he messaged me a couple of weeks ago. He wants me to do a course on it. Um, just how to, how to do that, the nuts and bolts of it. he's increased their revenue 65% this year, strictly off of maximizing the client value, the people that are already writing him checks. And think about that for a second. He's not chasing new clients. Yes, they do have sales and marketing in place, but he's not constantly on the hunt for new, 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 new. He's taking care of the customers he already has and maximizing that revenue. I mean, that's huge. A 65% increase in revenue without adding a single customer. And they've been tracking that since the beginning of the year. And I think... So when we think about it, you know, can it be done? I'm not sure whether I can do that. It by all means could work uh, for sure. I know we're coming up on the top of the hour. Uh, John had one more question that I thought we could get to uh, if I move this up so people can see it. He said, uh, question on the tribe, what extras, uh, extras that increase service value, what are your thoughts of little extras that can have a big impact on the relationship or perceived value of the service you offer? I figure we just end with that. Any tips there? I think bro broadly speaking, I would say that you, and this goes for uh, 
Pete was talking about price increases earlier. So when you're increasing prices, if you're very nervous about that, and you really shouldn't be because everybody expects it, um, but make sure to add more value to what you're delivering. And you can say, we all get the messages, don't we? Virgin Media and Vodafone, whoever, uh, Verizon, they get in touch with us and say, hey, we're putting the prices up this year. But hey, you've got this new service added or this new TV station or whatever it might be. You probably are not bothered about it. Um, and so the point here is um, you want to be looking for services and solutions that are a really light lift from your perspective. So they don't take a lot of labor. They don't perhaps not even a lot of cost, but the client sees some degree of value in it. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of examples of services. Scott, what do you bundle with your services that you give to clients at the moment? I mean, so generally we'll we'll bundle in. I mean, simple things like backup is really easy. So everybody, every time we get you know backup as a service for Office three sixty five type things, it's fully automated. It's connected. So as soon as they add an account or a SharePoint site or a team site, it's automatically added. So we have that value to saying, look, data will never be lost here. Okay, and it's already just part and parcel of the package. Um, one of the other really nice things that we have is around the end user cybersecurity training. Um, so again, we just add that in and it's just that nice stuff of, again, it's fully managed from us. We we outsource the whole thing for like two, let's call it $3 a user, right? Um, but they will do phishing campaigns. They'll do tactical campaigns around training. They'll make sure that people are up to date on their training plans. It is localized. So we have really nice UK content. There's really nice North American content as well, but they manage the whole thing. So if someone did fall for one of the phishing scams, they'll be getting in touch with that person to make sure. And it's it's actually, it's it's manually intervened. It's not all automated. Here's the thing that happened. Here's the training you know video that you need to watch. And then they'll check and see, did they do that? And again, there's so much value in there for, we don't do anything. Let's be really clear. As the MSP, we don't do anything. It's three dollars, so it's a very low cost, and we can we can afford to make sure that our service bundle is increased in price and incorporate that in it. It's really nice. Yeah, that's brilliant. Who do you use, Scott? One of the things that we did, I added an executive concierge service. Big ah. fancy name for it, but the things that we included in there, I started listening to pain points that people had, and one of the big ones for CEOs. When these stupid things came out, cell phones, they don't want to go wait in line at the AT&T store or the cell phone store to get the new iPhone. Right. I bundled that in. Our executive concierge huh. service included us doing that for them and up to three top level executives inside the company and or their staff. Like especially like the admin of a CEO, it's very important that they continue to do their job. So... We did special things and I lumped it in as the executive concierge service. So we would do things like that. And I would use that as a, for instance, when you're trying to sell that and how, okay, how many times a year are you actually going to do that? Once maybe, um, because they don't want to go to do that. And the other thing that we did was home service for those top three executives, because it's the same thing If CEO wants to work from home but is frustrated because he can't. And again, this was way before work from home became normal. This was a decade ago, but we made sure that his home office was set up. They had everything they needed. The kid's printer was hooked up so they can print their homework. I mean, it was just the little things yeah. that we did. And I had one CEO take us up on this where she bought a new house. She's like, Hey, I bought a new house. We're moving. You know, can you help me out with that? So we did everything. 
cut over over internet from old location to new location, made sure everything was set up in her house the day of, you know, that she took control of the house all the way down to the kids' PlayStation, the Wii, everything was set up down in the basement to their, her TV in her room. And when she came home that night, everything was done. That's gold, because she's not going to yeah. move away from your service anytime soon, is she? So. Exactly. That was the client that was $563 a seat. When wow. you do things like that, where it's not a... I mean, how many times do people move? But when you can use that as a case study, and these are the things that are included in our executive concierge service, doesn't cost me anything on a monthly basis. And I'll gladly go to the cell phone store for somebody once a year <laughs> if they write me $563 a seat. <laughs> I'll do it all day long. And But it's, again, CEOs talk about that stuff. Yeah. And that's yeah. where it was gold because she would go to these events and she would tell people, like, I couldn't have bought enough press or marketing from that one helping her move that day. Yeah. Uh, we picked up five new clients just because she was going around telling people out of nowhere. Um, amazing. So, John, to answer your question, don't don't make it complicated. Think about things that your clients currently have a pain point around that you might be able to provide a service for. Um, you know, just think you, you walk in and they, you see that there's nobody mowing the lawn out in front of their office. Go help them find somebody to solve that problem. Cleaning their office. Go network with cleaning companies so that when somebody has a problem with cleaning their office, hey, I got a guy. You become that resource. So it doesn't have to be... Right you know, things that cost money necessarily, but when you're looked to as that resource, you know, that's where you maximize that value. They trust you that when they, when I come in and make an offer, where do I sign? Just, just send me the paperwork. No questions asked. So, all right. Any, I know we're past time for you guys. A couple of you guys got a jet. So any parting thoughts on going into 2023 that you would have a, for an MSP around maximizing client value, um, how to do yeah. it or just any other parting thoughts? Well, one thing that springs to mind and perhaps this is probably maybe a setup for the next show. Um, the whole idea of managed services being about you want to maximize your profit, but lower your cost of support. And so, you know, going back to John's question there about the services that can give away, often you can look for services to add to your portfolio that are not going to cost you uh, too much money, but are going to lower the amount of tickets that you have to deal with. So content filtering and, you know, backup and, um, you know, things of that nature, email archiving, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, for me, I think it's one of the fundamental tenets of managed services is you're always looking to lower your cost of support to eliminate the number of tickets that are coming through. So we could do a whole show about that, but that would be my thought for 2023 going into it. How can you lower your cost of support? What services or solutions are out on the market that your clients don't have at the moment that if they did, you'd get less tickets, you would make, you would spend less time servicing those clients, you would make more profit. Mm. I like it. Pete Scott, anybody want to take that one? He's good. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go quickly with uh put your prices up. Don't don't assume that your clients aren't gonna buy those services that you're selling them. And do not, whatever you do, be late for your youngest child's parent evening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On that, we're gonna wrap this show. Uh, before we get in trouble for keeping Scott on and Pete on, we got to take care of the kiddos. So 
thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, thank you, uh, John, especially for hanging out with us live. And we will see you next week.